Yo, what's up, everybody? Welcome to a new episode of A1 Sports Politics. What you want and only, K-Dub. Thank everybody for tuning in. I appreciate y'all. Most depth. But, hey, we got to talk about some NFL Week 5 recap. Yes, indeed. And we're going to start off in the Battle of Texas. The Dallas Cowboys versus the Houston Texans. At Houston. Under the lights, why everybody's watching, just how Jerry Jones won't everybody watch the Dallas Cowboys. But anyway, the ratings was crazy. Everybody was watching this game, and I'm sure nobody was disappointed. Maybe the Cowboy fans because they took an L. But other than that, it was a great game. It was a good game, and it was so good that it was forced into overtime where the Dallas Cowboys lost to the Texans 19-16. Now, let me just peep this out. The Dallas Cowboys defense stood out to me. Like, it's surprising, but they really stood out to me. They stood their ground for the majority of the night. Majority of the night. Until it got to overtime. But other than that, they was doing their job. They was doing their job. They laid the hat on Deshaun Watson a few times. Deshaun Watson ran the ball a lot this game. He ran the ball 10 times for 40 yards. And he had to pay for them a couple of times. Because that red zone defense of the Dallas Cowboys was really impressive. They did what they were supposed to do as far as containing Deshaun Watson. But other than that, until overtime, when Deshaun Watson connect with all-pro wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins, he made a catch and gained some incredible yards after the catch. Made some of the Dallas Cowboys defenders look foolish. Yeah. And let me just say this about Hopkins. Hopkins had a field game against the Dallas Cowboys. He had nine catches for 151 yards. Now, this dude right here on A1 Sports Politics top five wide receiver list, he's on there, best believe. And he don't get enough recommendation at all. But other than that, the Dallas Cowboys, they gave up that big game to DeAndre Hopkins, and that's what led the Texas to kick the field goal and win in overtime. But the Dallas Cowboys defense isn't the only defense that stood out. The Houston Texans defense did a pretty good job as well. They shut down Ezekiel Elliott. He had 20 rushes for 54 yards. Forced Dak Prescott to throw two interceptions and sacked him twice. So it was both defenses really setting the ground, and neither offenses was pretty impressive. Deshaun Watson had a decent game. He was 33 for 44. Threw for 375 yards, one interception, one touchdown. Now, let me just say this about the Dallas Cowboys offense. Teams are going to start stacking the box against the Dallas Cowboys. Why? Because they all know this this offense is based around Ezekiel. Not Dak Prescott. Not Dak Prescott in that offensive line. That's what it's about. Ezekiel in that offensive line. Now, everybody can see that Dak isn't as good as we thought he was. He He's not as good as he was in that first season. He's not. And, and it's showing right now. It's showing. But other than that, teams are going to start stacking the box because Dak cannot throw the ball like that. He cannot throw. And the way that uh, Jason Garrett, his, his play calling, it's, it's not really fitting Dak in a way. And... He Dak no longer have vets to lean on that he can just throw to. He don't know. He no longer have. We all know Des Bryant. He's Des Bryant still. He's still reaching out to Dallas Cowboys, saying that he'd love to come back and play. Even though Jerry Jones is 
disrespect him in every type of way. Talking about they haven't had a number one receiver in a long time. Come on now, really? And I'm an Eagle fan. Dak is the problem. Not this. Dak was, was the problem. And it's showing now. It's showing now. Now, I don't know what the Dallas Cowboys have up their sleeves, but Jason Garrick have to do something about this. Because, I don't, don't get me wrong, I feel like Dak, he's, he's, he has some talent. He can run. He can throw. And he remind me of Donovan McNabb. Like, I'm an Eagle fan, but he actually remind me of Donovan McNabb. But the thing was, Andy Reid and Donovan McNabb had this chemistry. They had this chemistry. And as a head coach, I feel like you have to understand your quarterback. You know, pick the personnel around him that he needs. Throw the plays in there that he needs. You can kind of see what's going on in, in Green Bay. I'm, I'm going to get to that a little later. But do something to where your quarterback can be set up for success. He cannot throw. He's not that accurate. Former Hall of Famer Troy Eggman came out and said that Dak has to be more accurate. Yes, he do. But the thing is, if you have these certain type of plays that they run constantly in practice and practice that Jason Garrett is throwing in there, and it's the type of plays that Dak can, like the throws that he can make, then it'll help Dak on his end. But Jason Garrett, hey, he's just sitting there. He's just sitting there, really. And I don't think he's on the hot seat because... He's listening to everything that Jerry Jones is doing. Like, he's a puppet in a way. And, and I know everybody have heard that before. So he's going to do whatever Jerry Jones wants. But he's coaching that team. And Jerry Jones, he don't – he's just the owner. He's just the owner, but he want to be everything else. He want to be everything else. And, and that's why they haven't won a Super Bowl since they got rid of Coach Johnson back in 95. That's the last time they won. So that's that tells you a lot right there. And luckily – the NFC East is not doing much at all. So it's it's not too bad for Dallas right now because the whole NFC East is pretty much playing like trash, including my Eagles. So it's time to make change, and it's room for it, of course, in Dallas. Okay, thank you for tuning back in to A1 Sports Politics. Now let's take it to Detroit. A well-known rival between the Green Bay Packers and the Detroit Lions. NFC North. Now, Detroit did something Sunday that they don't usually do, and that's defeat Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers at home in Detroit, 31 to 23. Now, this game was a it was a blowout at halftime. Like it was really a blowout. 24 skunk. Usually, it was a 21 skunk, but it was 24-0. So it, the game, we thought it was really over. But we all know when that bad, bad man, A-Rod 12, is on the field, it's never over. The Packers scored 23 points in the second half, but that wasn't enough. The game could have been much closer. Who to say that the Packers wouldn't have had one if all-pro kicker Mason Crosby would have, you know, at least made more than one field goal. He missed four field goals in the game against Detroit. He was one for five. And we seen that last field goal. It was basically like a confidence build. Like, you know, it was the end of the game. It was a couple of seconds left. And Mike McCarthy, he just felt like, all right, let's just kick this field goal and, you know, boost Crosby, his confidence up. So he won't be all down going into the next game. And Aaron Rodgers did. He was being a great leader and did help Crosby keep his head up. We see him on the sideline going over to him. Hey, man, it's all right, you know, because at the end of the day, it was 24-0 at halftime, and I'm sure the defense 
should be the blame of that period but in Green Bay it's just it's, it's something isn't right with the Green Bay Packers I feel like there's too much being asked from Aaron Rodgers a hurt Aaron Rodgers at that who had a pretty good game if you ask me he was 32 for 52 um, threw for 442 yards with three touchdowns. But he was sacked four times. Four times. And he tucked the ball a few times. Times in critical moments of the game. And I'm, if I'm a Green Bay Packers fan, I'm sure that y'all was ducking and dodging for Aaron Rodgers every time he ran the ball. Because it's dangerous out there. He, he's, it's obviously that the man is hurt. He's been hurt since week one. But this is becoming a cycle for Aaron Rodgers to be trying to bring back the Green Bay Packers in the second half. Trying to come back. Trying to have comebacks. Every game, eventually, it's going to wear down on Aaron Rodgers because everything's on him. And it only seems like that that's the only time that the defense gets going. The whole team gets going only when Aaron Rodgers gets going. But when can Aaron Rodgers lean on the defense? When can Aaron Rodgers lean on the run game? At some point, Mike McCarthy, he's going to have to do something. McCarthy, I mean, sorry. Mike McCarthy is going to have to make some type of adjustments. I feel like as far as in play calling, throwing certain type of different plays in there. Because if you look in New England, this is always a discussion that we always have. If you look into New England, the plays that... Belichick have, I'm not comparing Belichick to, to Mike McCarthy, but the plays that Belichick have for Tom Brady, it's to where Tom Brady don't have to do too much. It's like hot routes to where he can get the ball out quickly. He don't have to hold the ball too long and get sacks. If Aaron Rodgers was in a system like that, this dude would put up the numbers that we have never seen before. Yes. But the Green Bay Packers ask for too much. They want this dude to do too much. He have to do too much. And some type of adjustments have to be made. Look at him. He's hurt. He's been hurt since week one. He's always hurt. And he's always playing hurt. That boy, he's tough. That man's tough. But at some point, it's going to get old. And y'all don't need Aaron Rodgers out for the whole season, Green Bay Packers. Y'all know that. We know how that's going to end up. We've seen this before. Now, when the, with the additions of Jimmy Graham in the offseason, signing him, I thought that, okay, this is going to be big. This is going to be one of the best offenses in the league, seeing A-Rod and Jimmy Graham, because it's going to be like, it's going to be basically how we seen Drew Brees and Jimmy Graham a couple years back. That's, how I, that's what I expected when the Green Bay Packers signed Jimmy Graham. But we haven't been seeing that. Jimmy Graham has six catches for 76 yards. Okay, but we haven't had that monster game, that good connection, that good chemistry between the two, Aaron Rodgers and Jimmy Graham. So it's something that the Green Bay Packers have to insert in their offensive play calling. And like I said, the defense gets going when Aaron Rodgers gets going. That's That shouldn't be like that, but that's how it is. And Aaron Rodgers is not going to be able to bring you guys back every game. He came hella close this game. Hella close. Scored 23 points in the second half. But Crosby, he missed four field goals. He was one for five again. 
going forward, something's going to have to happen. At some point, Mike McCarthy is going to be on the hot seat. If he can't do nothing with probably the, the most talented quarterback we have ever seen in NFL history. Yeah, they got a Super Bowl in 2011. But come on now. It's seven years later. What can we expect in the future now? And for the Detroit Lions, they're on their way in a way, but it's like they only take a step back. If you look at their two wins, they won against two of the best, the, the two best quarterbacks in the league. Well, Mahomes is playing lights out right now, but overall, y'all know what I'm talking about. Brady, and he beat Aaron Rodgers. And Matt, Matt Patricia, he said that his team is on the way, but they have to still win against other teams. If you can beat the Patriots, outscore the Patriots, and you can beat the Green Bay Packers, and somehow, some way, you should be able to beat almost half of the league. Stafford. And Stafford, he he, he played when he wants to. When, he, when he's on, he's on. That offense is rolling. But, hey... The Lions have to continue on taking steps forward and not backwards. And for the Green Bay Packers, adjustments have to be made. And I'm looking at coach Mike McCarthy. What are you going to do with the most talented quarterback we've ever seen? What are you going to do with him? All right, now we're back. Thank y'all for tuning back into A1 Sports Politics. Now I want to get into this Pittsburgh versus Atlanta Falcon game. Yes, the Pittsburgh Steelers destroyed the Falcons 41-17. Yeah, and this, let me talk about this young fella right here. James Conner had a hell of a game. He had 21 rushes for 110 yards and two touchdowns. And then on the receiving level, he had four receptions for 75 yards. Now that's balling. I really like this kid, man. He played with a lot of energy. He's determined. And he's not letting Le'Veon Bell and the Pittsburgh Steelers drama hold him back at all. He's playing lights out out there. And I want to say this. I know Le'Veon Bell was a hell of a talent. One of the best running backs I've ever seen in my life. But to be honest with you, James Conner is that is the Pittsburgh type of running back. He reminds me of Willie Parker. The Willie Parker, he, he was a champion with Pittsburgh, and he was a pretty good player. But he's that type of player. He's that type of running back that they want, that, that fits that Pittsburgh Steelers type of offense. And that's James Conner. He went to college in Pittsburgh, so I'm glad this is like a dream come true for him to play for the Pittsburgh Steelers. This dude is balling all out. Like, he's he's determined, man. I seen him, man, with a spin move, spin move. I seen him in college where he was balling. So I knew he was going to be something special in the NFL. But he's playing pretty good for the Steelers right now. With AB, 84, he had a pretty good game. He had six receptions for 101 yards and two touchdowns. Yeah, he's he's back doing his dances and celebrating in the end zone. As long as he's doing that, it's all happy for him. Big Ben. Threw for 19 for, for 29. Threw for 250 yards and had three touchdowns. Now, that's the type of Pittsburgh Steelers offense that we're used to. That's the high-tempo offense, high-scoring offense, spinning up 41 points. But can they keep it up? Can Pittsburgh be consistent? 
Then they went up against the Atlanta defense. Who isn't all that? Who isn't all that? But we also know the Pittsburgh Steelers defense isn't all that either. Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, Freeman, Sanu, Ridley. They only put up 17 points. Like, what's really going on? What's really going on? This team haven't been the same. They have just haven't been the same since two years ago in the Super Bowl. That's it. They just haven't been the same. They've been playing like that second half of football they played in the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 51 to be exact, against the New England Patriots. They've been playing that same football here till week five, going on week six. Now, as I, as I said before, it's not the talent in Atlanta. It's not the talent. They have the talent. They have the run game. They got two running backs that can start on the team. They have a, a, a really, really good number one receiver, a, a solid number two receiver in Sanu, and that young rookie, really, out of Alabama, he's a really good number three receiver. So what's the problem in Atlanta? It's the play calling, and at one point in time, somebody's going to have to go. It's going to be the offensive coordinator, or it's going to be the head coach. Something's going to have to happen, and something's going to have to change in Atlanta. Defensively, they we already know. Defensively, they're not that. They're not all that defensively. But even on the defense end, we're not seeing them doing what they did a couple of years back. This team really got to get it going. Because at the end of the day, if Atlanta do not make the playoffs this year, I guarantee you, it's either going to be Dan Quinn or it's going to be the offensive coordinator. Somebody's going to go, but usually it's the offensive coordinator they're going. But I don't know what's going on in Atlanta. They have to do something about it. But on the other end, Pittsburgh is looking good. They look good this past week. Let's just see what they're going to do this upcoming week. That's it. But good victory. Pittsburgh defense was all over the place. TJ Watt, who's A1 Sports Politics Defense Player of the Week, had eight tackles, three sacks, and a forced fumble. That guy is, he's something special. He is something special. And if he can get some more of the Pittsburgh Steelers defense to play on his level, whew, that'd be something special. They still looking for that front seven that they had some years back with James Harrison and, and them boys. But Pittsburgh, hey, I'm not going to get too hyped up because we don't know what to expect from Pittsburgh going forward. That's it. And the question is, do they really want Le'Veon back? Do they need Le'Veon back? Um, at some points, yeah, I feel like they do. But this dude, James Conner, is doing his thing out there. Keep it up. Now we're starting to wrap things up here on A1 Sports Politics. But I want to give a special shout-out to the rookie quarterbacks that led their teams to victory this past week. I'm going to start off with Josh Allen. Josh Allen, he didn't have the best game, but the Bills won. They got their second victory of the season over the Tennessee Titans. Josh Allen, he threw 10 for 19 for only 82 yards. One thing about the Bills, they noticed that they can lean on their run game, and they did that. That's right. Now, first, really probably the most, I'm going to say the best for last in my case. But anyway, Sam Darnold, he had a pretty good game. Threw 10 for 22. And for 198 yards and three touchdowns in a defeat over the Denver Broncos, 34-16. Josh Rosen had his first start as a quarterback for the Arizona Cardinals. Threw 10 for 25 for 170 yards and one touchdown in a victory over 
divisional rival, the San Francisco 49ers, 28-18. Now, I'm going to say the best for last. I, this is, in my case, the stats might not add up to the best, but I feel like this was the best win by a rookie, and that will be by Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield led his Cleveland Browns to their second win. I don't know how long has it been since they won two games. We know he led them to their first win, and it's been it was over almost two years since they won. But he threw 25 for 45, not the best, you know. But he threw for 342 yards, one touchdown over. Uh, divisional rival with a great defense, with a really good defense in Baltimore, and they won 12 to nine. That was a deep game. It was that was a good game. That dude have something special. All these guys, I believe, all these guys have something special. But uh, everybody, this man, this young player, he's looking forward to any obstacle, and I like that about him. I would take him on my team any day of the week. But shout out to them dudes. Shout out to the rookie quarterbacks that's pitting on, and all of them got W's except Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson, hey, if he was in there, then we won't be talking about one of them. It would be Maker Mayfield or John. We don't know. But I'm sure that Lamar Jackson will be getting his shine soon. Just be patient, young bud. Be patient. Now here's A1 Sports Politics Award of the Week, Week 5 of the NFL season. And we're going to start off with the bad first. Disappointed slash weakest player of week five has to go to Blake Bortles. Blake Bortles, we know Blake Bortles is not that guy. But in some games, lately he has been that guy. But this game right here was just a poor game by Blake Bortles. 33 for 61. Threw for 430 yards. But threw four interceptions and was sacked five times. Wow. And also, I'm he's going to share this one with Mason Crosby. Mason Crosby is one of the best kickers in the NFL. But he was one for five for field goals. And this is the most, but he missed four. Yes, he missed four straight to be exact. And no kicker has done that since 2010. So shout out to Blake Bortles and Mason Crosby. Hopefully they have a better week this upcoming week. Now, let's go to the biggest win of the week. I think that has to go to the Cleveland Browns. Baker Mayfield led his team to defeat a really good defense in the Baltimore Ravens, 12-9. to It was a good game, by the way. Baker Mayfield did his thing, man. This is the type of moments that Baker Mayfield was looking forward to, going up against a top defense, being an underdog, and he came out on top. He came out on top, and that was good performance by Baker Mayfield. Now, the biggest loss of the week has to go to the New York Giants, in my case, who lost to the Panthers 33-31. to It was a good game. It was a good game to a really big kick, a 63-yard kick by the Panthers kicker and sealed the deal. But I'm going to give the Giants the biggest L because through all the stuff, all the drama with Odell Beckham, we'll get into that in another show soon. But with all that, on top of an L, it just don't make no sense. Yeah, Odell had a good game. Eli had a, he, Eli even had a pretty good game. But they still took an L. And all that off the field drama, locker room drama, 
by Odell Beckham that he's the attention that's you know he's causing. It just doesn't help the team, especially if the team is losing. And I'm sure, like I'm really, really sure that we will be talking about that on A1 Sports Politics soon. Now, as I already mentioned, offense and defense players of the week. Defense player of the week goes to TJ Watt, who had eight tackles and three sacks and one forced fumble. It almost went to Laval Joseph from the Minnesota Vikings, who had four tackles and one sack and the touchdown and the uh, fumble recovery against my Eagles. But a lot of these defensive players balled out this year. Like, I mean, this year, this week, this week, Geno Atkins had two sacks. Leonard Williams from the Jets had two sacks. Mike Adams from the Carolina Panthers had two interceptions. Like, the defensive players is balling this week. Shout out to the whole defensive players, everybody I just named. Real talk. Offense player of the week goes to Jets running back Isaiah Caldwell. I got to say that slow because it's kind of difficult for me. I don't know why. But Crowell had 15 rushes for 219 yards, had one long run for 77 yards, averaged 14 yards per carry, and had a touchdown. And all these players won. All these players won. That's the thing about... The A1 Sports Politics Award every week. Your team has to win. Your team has to win. I don't care if Aaron Rodgers threw for the most yards. They did not win. Your team have to win in order for you to make A1 Sports Politics list of the players of the week and the teams of the week as well. Now, that's all I've got for y'all. A1 Sports Politics. Stay tuned for more episodes of A1 Sports Politics. Please go follow A1 Sports Politics. On Twitter at A1 Sports Politic, not with an S, Politic. And also on Instagram at A1 Sports Politics. And on Facebook, A1 Sports Politics. And also YouTube page at A1 Sports Politics. Thank everybody for tuning in. Y'all have a good one. A1!